Welcome to the St George's Leeds Sermon Podcast. We hope you enjoy the talk. Good evening, church. This tonight's reading comes from Matthew chapter 17. After six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, the brother of James, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. There he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as the light. Just then there appeared before them Moses and Elijah talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I will put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, a bright cloud covered them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell face down to the ground, terrified. But Jesus came and touched them. Get up, he said. Don't be afraid. When they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus instructed them, Don't tell anyone what you have seen until the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. The disciples asked him, Why then do the teachers of the law say that Elijah must come first? Jesus replied, To be sure, Elijah comes and will restore all things. But I tell you, Elijah has already come, and they did not recognize him, but have done to them everything they wished. In the same way, the Son of Man is going to suffer at their hands. Then the disciples understood that he was talking to them about John the Baptist. This is the word of the Lord. Well, good evening. Uh, it's good to, to be with you. Um, uh, my name's Mark Powley. I'm a member of this congregation, and uh, for a day job, I work with the Archbishop of York, um, just uh, enabling mission across the north of England. And uh, it was great to be with you here last week, and again, to, uh, to look at this same uh, theme that we're following through uh, of mountains. And I wonder if we could just take a moment to pray as we, uh, as we begin. Oh God, as we um, listen again to those words read out to us from the scriptures, and as we think about them, would you open up our minds and our hearts right now by your Holy Spirit? Speak to us in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so uh, as last week, uh, we are thinking about mountains, and um, I've been continuing to think about mountains. I do love mountains. I love thinking about mountains. The thing about mountains, though, although wonderful as they are to think about and to look at and maybe have as a screensaver on your computer, uh, when it actually gets to the business of climbing mountains, it can be a bit miserable. I don't know if you've ever had a miserable time climbing a mountain. Um, It takes ages. That's the first thing. It always takes longer than you think uh, to get up a mountain. And you can have that bit where you're climbing, you think, is this the end? Is this the end? You're like, No, no, there's another bit. And then you climb the other bit. Is this the end? No, there's another bit. And so on and so forth. And you get to the top, and it becomes incredibly cold. Like, really, really cold. I wish I'd bought a woolly hat. And and I don't know if you're probably not like me, but I get a really sweaty back when I climb a mountain. So I've got the rucksack on, and they get very sweaty, and they get very cold, cold and sweaty. You get to the top of the mountain, you get your lunch out, and all the sandwiches have been crushed and the fruit has become bruised in your rucksack. 
And, and at the end of all that, you get to the top of the mountain, and then sometimes you can't see anything. <laughs> see nothing. You spend three hours climbing this mountain, you can't see a thing. So this photo here is literally the view that we had from a mountain. And this man's hat was the best thing you could see from, from the top of the mountain. It was literally like that. We were totally covered in cloud. And so um, at the top of this mountain, it was me, uh, my sons Jonah and Zach. And what I thought I'd do, I'm going to take a video anyway. And I'm going to take a video. And Jonah can explain how we're at the top of this mountain and we can't see anything. And, and we're going to play it to you. And it's going to sound very noisy because the wind is so windy and cold and damp and cloudy. That's what's going on. So we're going to play this video now. At the very moment we started taking the footage, the wind blew and the clouds just suddenly went. And on the, you can just about hear on the video, Jonah goes, get a photo, get a photo, get a photo, get a photo. And I'm like, I've got it, Jonah, I've got it. It's the most incredible thing. As if from nowhere, suddenly the whole landscape appeared. As if somebody had pulled a curtain and gone, ta-da! And the whole thing was there. And a kind of incredible silence fell on all the people on the top of the mountain because we knew that something incredible had happened. We just had it revealed to us what was actually there all the time. Now, this series uh, is, uh, we're looking at this quote um, as a little inspiration. I mentioned it last week. Uh, the mountaineer Michael Kennedy, I learn something every time I go to the mountains. And that's what we've been doing. We've been on a kind of five peak challenge, looking at five climbs that did not disappoint. Because each time we go up the mountain, we see something. So up the mountain of... Um, uh, uh, up Mount Moriah, uh, Abraham learned. And when we climb Mount Moriah, we see that God um, is the God who provides what is needed when we can't provide it for ourselves. And then up Mount Sinai uh, with Moses, we see that God is holy. But this God who is holy also calls us to know him. And then last week, we were with Jesus, the mountain where he taught the blessings or beatitudes, and we see that God is coming, and that God's kingdom gives us hope. And this time, we're on Mount Tabor. Mount Tabor, which is traditionally regarded as the mountain of the transfiguration, which we had read to us when Jesus' appearance was changed. And this is one of the most important mountain views in the whole of history. And we are about to see one of the clearest views of God it is possible to see. If you read this passage with your heart open, you will not only read about it, you will see it. And that's why the gospel has been written, not to record that once somebody saw something, but so that when we read it today, and come to it with our hearts open that we can see again and again who God really is. And that we can do that tonight. So I want to look with you at what happened on the mountain, 
what do we learn on the mountain? And very briefly at the end, what about after the mountain? So what happened on the mountain? And we're just going to work through it verse by verse. So verse 1, after six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, the brother of James, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. Now, this is in Matthew's gospel, but Matthew wasn't there. It was Jesus, Peter, James, and John. So this is not an eyewitness account. Matthew is actually following Mark's gospel. And Mark wasn't there, but Mark had, a, a, we believe, a direct report from Peter who was there. And as Matthew explains it to us, uh, there's Jesus taking three of them. So this is an insider picture. Not everybody gets to go on this journey with Jesus. But Matthew wants us, as the reader, to know that we are seeing the inside story of who Jesus really is. And so he continues, verse 2. There, Jesus was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as the light. Now, I said Mark, it gives us the kind of raw account, and Mark writes it like this. Jesus' clothes became dazzling white, whiter than anyone in the world could bleach them, which sounds a little bit like a detergent advert. <laughs> and so Matthew kind of just is a little bit more kind of respectable and stately and says, well, why don't we put it like this, Mark? Why don't we say that his clothes became as white as the light? I think that's a little bit better, and, and Matthew is normally right when he does that. Um, but here's the key, okay? Um, whiter than anyone in the world could bleach them, as white as the light. The key is this is obviously something that's very difficult to describe. It's very difficult to describe, and it doesn't, it doesn't help to call it a transfiguration either, because what is a transfiguration? I mean, who's ever had? It's like it's a thing. It's not a thing. Who's ever had a transfiguration? So, oh, he's just having a transfiguration. A what? It wasn't a thing, and it hasn't been a thing since. This is a human being glowing with the energy of heaven, and it's beyond words, okay? It's beyond words, and that's actually really important that it's beyond words. It's like light. You can't kind of describe it. It just kind of hits you as a glorious thing, and that's really important because we cannot fully describe God. We cannot fully describe God. I used to annoy my kids uh, because they would come home from RS lessons and they'd say to me, Father, and I would say yes, and they'd say, Father, I learned today that God is omnipresent, omnipotent, and um, what's it, uh, omniscient and omnivorous. Uh, <laughs> maybe not the fourth one. Uh, and I'd say, really? They'd say, yes, yes, that's what he is. Omnipresent, omniscient, om, 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 omnipresent, omniscient, um, omnipotent, whatever. Uh, and I'd say, um, oh, that's interesting because my God is beyond words. My God is beyond words. My God can't be captured by a word, even a Latin word or some <laughs> other word. God is not, God is beyond words. God is not just a very big person. It's really important. God's glory, God's power, God's majesty is much more than that. Who God is. The, uh, the blogger, Beth Felker-Jones, uh, puts it brilliantly. She says, have you met the living God? 
Not the man upstairs or the big guy in the sky being neither a man nor a guy nor upstairs or in the sky, (laughs) but being love eternal everywhere, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Have you met the Lord of hosts, not one among many, but one without whom the many would not be? Not a pretty good alternative to other possible gods, but the only one who is. I like that. I like that because it reminds us that God is beyond description and God's glory is beyond words. The scriptures say God is light. God is light. And then again, it says God dwells in indescribable light. Sorry, God dwells in unapproachable light. God dwells in unapproachable light. God is bigger than you or I think. God is brighter than our eyes can see or our minds can imagine. The scale of God's glory goes beyond the spectrum of electromagnetic light. And all the light in the universe provides just a glimmer of his brightness. And yet any time we see light, whether a single candle in the darkness or the rays of the sun, then we see something of God. And right now, here on the mountain, That light shines through Jesus, and they see it. They see it. Next verse. Just then there appeared before them Moses and Elijah talking with Jesus. This is one of the strangest things that happens in the Bible, and there are a few of them. They're there, uh, and then suddenly there's Jesus and Moses and Elijah. Like They came up the mountain as four of them, and now there are six of them. Like when you do climb a mountain and suddenly there's loads of other people with their lunch and their bruised fruit. And you think, where did all these people come from? And if you climb Snowdon, you find there's a cafe as well. They just put it there. And it's a little bit like that, but different. Um, So Moses and Elijah, these are figures from the Old Testament of the Bible, from the history of the Jewish people. How are they possibly there? I don't know. But I have just said that God is bigger than we think. This is the one who made the universe out of nothing. So there they are. And I'll tell you why they're there. Because Moses and Elijah also each climbed a mountain. And Moses and Elijah also met God up a mountain. Only they nearly saw God. They nearly saw God. Moses goes up a mountain and God says, and Moses says, show me your glory. And God says, well, I I can show you my glory, but I can't show you my face because then you'll die. And so Moses has to hide in a bit of the rock and God passes by. So he nearly sees God's glory. Elijah cries out to God in desperation and God comes to him. And, And when Elijah comes out of a cave where he's hiding to see God, he has to cover his face with a cloak. They nearly saw God. But now, they really see God. And they really see God in the face of Jesus of Nazareth. Those heartfelt prayers, Moses, show me your glory, and Elijah crying out for God, those heartfelt prayers are met not fully in their lives, but after their lives, when now, on the Mount of Transfiguration, 
they see the glory of God shining like the sun in the face of Jesus Christ. No cave to hide in and no cloak to hide behind. So, verse 4. Peter says to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I will put up three shelters. Uh, One for you, uh, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. Now, Peter is a faithful Jew, and this is already, it's already mind-bending for him. But to see Moses and Elijah is obviously just nuts. And um, so, these are the holiest people ever. This is his kind of Mother Teresa and Elvis. And he's thinking, what do I do? And what he does is what all of us do when uh, we're in the presence of greatness, is we say something stupid. <laughs> so, in fact, in Mark's gospel, which Matthew removes, it just says, he did not know what he was saying. Because he, he doesn't know what he's saying. He said, let's both three tense. But it comes from this desire. He's like, I'd like to, could we keep this moment? Could we just kind of box it up and, and keep it still and put a, put canvas around it. Could we, just, could we just hold this moment where life makes sense and where God is so clearly here and where, where history is obviously made for this moment? Could we just stay here? And I think we know the answer. And it comes in verse 5. While he was still speaking, a bright cloud covered them and a voice from the cloud said, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. Now this is not about Elijah and it's not about Moses. It's not about the three of them, Moses and Jesus and Elijah. It's about the one. This is about Jesus Christ. And then something incredible happens. We've had the light, we've had Moses and Elijah, and then something happens which is more incredible than any of it. Verse 6, when the disciples heard this, they fell face down to the ground, terrified. But Jesus came and touched them. Get up, he said. Don't be afraid. And when they looked, they saw no one except Jesus. So this cloud comes down, and for them it is just too much. So they just, they just fall to the ground, and they're absolutely terrified. They're face down to the ground, and the most amazing thing is, Jesus comes and reaches out and touches them. I just think that is so, so incredible. He reaches out and touches them. I know this is too much for you. I know you can't cope with this. I know you don't deserve this, but this is for you. And he reaches out and he touches them. He says, I am here. This is for you. I am with you. It's the most incredible thing. It's much more incredible than the light and the Moses and Elijah. The fact that God would reach out and touch them through Jesus. The book of Hebrews writes about this. It writes about the fact that that when we come to God, we don't come to the mountain that Moses came to. We don't come to a mountain of thunder and fear and shaking, and it's frightening. We don't come to that. When we come to God, says the book of Hebrews, we come to a mountain of joy and thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly. 
And we come knowing that our names are written in heaven. And we come to Jesus, whose blood speaks a better word than the blood of Abel, which by which it means the blood of, of recrimination and guilt. A better word than that. When we come, we come to Jesus who reaches out and touches. And, and in, the, in the story, he's reaching out and touching them, but, but really he's reaching out and touching you and me. And that's what happened on the mountain. Now, what do we learn on the mountain? What do we learn about God? Each of these mountains teaches something. What is it that we see about God? And what we learn about God is that God is Jesus. That's what we learn. That the glory of God shines in his face. That the story of God leads up to him as its high point. And the voice of God says, this is my son. Listen to him. So what we learn is that God has put his glory in Jesus. And Jesus himself said this. He said, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. If you've seen me, if you've looked looked at what I do, if you've heard my words, if you see how I am with people, if you've seen that, then you've seen the Father. So what we learn on the mountain is that this God who cannot be fully described and can't be caught in words can be named if the name is Jesus. And that is the most incredible thing. If you take nothing else from this passage or from the, or from the, the message of the New Testament for tonight, take that one thought that God has revealed that who he really is is fully shown in Jesus. There isn't a God hiding behind Jesus, pulling the strings. There isn't a God 1.0, a kind of original addition behind or before or beyond who Jesus is. When we see Jesus, we see who God really is. As Archbishop Michael Ramsey put it, God is Christ-like, and in him is no unchrist-likeness at all. I mean, you may think it's just playing on words, so forgive me just for a moment, but the big news isn't that Jesus is God. People think, sometimes think that's what Christianity is about, that Jesus is just a very, very important person, that he's really, really very important, that really he's God, and that's what being a Christian is all about. I don't think that's really the way to put it. I don't think that's really the big news. The big news is that God is like Jesus. That's the big news. I can imagine a re- can you imagine a really, really powerful person? Yes, I can imagine a really, really powerful person. Can you imagine a person so powerful they are like God? Yes, and we watch films about the people. Oh, look, that person is so powerful, it's as if they're like a God. That's not the news. Can you imagine a God so tender, so reachable, so loving, that he would become one of us? as a human being, and live with us, and suffer alongside us, and die on a cross. That is the news. That is the good news. That God is not far away, he is close. He comes close and reaches out and touches us in Jesus Christ, like nobody ever could. And that is the clearest view of God that we have. If you are going to reject God, 
If you're going to turn your back on God, then turn your back on that God. Don't turn your back on some silly kind of man with a beard up in space or in the sky or anything like that. Turn your back on the God that has been shown in Jesus Christ. Make your decision about him. And if you're going to believe in God, believe in this God. Don't just believe in some terrible potentate, a kind of big dictator with a stick. Believe in this God. Get to know this God. This is my son. Listen to him. When I, um, I went to university in Nottingham, in my first year, um, I had a bit of a tough first year, really. It didn't go wonderfully well. It was, it was fun, but also a pain. And um, I struggled. I struggled with loneliness at times. I struggled with self-discipline at times. I struggled with doubt. I wrestled with my faith. And one Sunday, it must have been about this time of year, actually, in my first year, I went to church in the center of town, and, uh, and I was walking away with my friend Steve, and I just said, Steve, I just, I just don't know what I think. I just don't know what I believe. I, I'm a bit lost, really. And my friend Steve uh, said to me, Mark, do you know, if you like, how about we meet up once a week and read a bit of the Gospels together? And I just, I don't know why he offered it. I have no idea. But at the time, I just, I just thought, yeah, that would, be, that would be good. So for a few weeks, once a week, I would just go to Steve's room in Z Block and we'd just get, uh, get the, a, bit, a bit of the Gospels open. We'd just read. And the first passage we read, we read, even though it was 25, 26 years ago, more, um, I remember it, it was Matthew chapter 8. And Jesus meets somebody who is sick, who says, if you're willing, you can make me clean. And Jesus reaches out and touches him. He says, I am willing, be clean. And I remember reading it, and as I read it, I felt faith flood into me because I realized who Jesus really is. So I just want to give that as an offer, an invitation. Maybe, maybe like me, you need to get back to Jesus. Maybe you find yourself a little bit lost, a little bit confused. Maybe it's difficult to find faith or to keep faith. I want to encourage you, get back to Jesus. Listen to him. Don't worry about the other stuff, but get back to that one person. And maybe read, read the Gospels. And just ask him to come close to you, because I believe that he will. Now I need to finish, but I wondered if I could do one more thing, if I have a moment just to do one more thing about this. So what happens on the mountain? What do we learn on the mountain? Just one last thing, what about after the mountain? Okay, what about after the mountain? What difference does it make down the mountain? The climber, Rene uh, Daumal, said this, you cannot stay on the summit forever. You have to come down again. So why bother in the first place? Just this. One climbs, one sees. One descends, one sees no longer, but one has seen. Okay? When we go down the mountain, we don't see anymore, but we have seen something which changes us. What do we do about these big encounters with God, these times when we feel like, oh, it's so real? Because they don't last forever. 
but I do think they're important. Sometimes people say, come to the front for prayer. There's nothing special about the front. I disagree. I think there is something special about the front. I think there's something special about taking a step and walking out and being prayed for. I think there's something special about going on a pilgrimage, about clearing space for God. I think there's something special about jumping in the car or or going on a bus with others and traveling and, yes, meeting with tents in Christian festivals and praying and all of that stuff. I think there's something special about mountaintop moments. I think St. George's is a mountaintop church. I mean, you have to climb up a mountain of steps even to get in the building. And, and, I mean, look at all the, you know, we've got lights, we've got bam, we've got incredible musicians, we've got all this. St. George's is a mountaintop experience, and I think that's great. But what about going down the mountain when life feels ordinary and difficult and tough? As Matthew says, as they were coming down the mountain, okay, he just refers to it, this journey down the mountain. He wants to talk about it because Matthew's not really all about the mountaintops, actually. If you read his gospel closely, you'll see that he's, he's suspicious. He knows that, um, that prophets and exorcists will sometimes not really know God. He mentions that in chapter 7. He knows that miracles will sometimes be a distraction. And he mentions that uh, near the end of his gospel. He wants us to recognize Christ not by his power, but by his face. Now, maybe you say to me, Mark, if I saw Jesus' face, like Peter and James and John, if I saw that, then I would be a great disciple. I'd be one of the best disciples if I just saw Jesus' face. I'd think, I'd think, oh, yeah, yeah I'd, like to see, I'd like to see his face. Well, let me, let me, are you ready? Look around. Look around. If you want to see the face of Jesus Christ, look around. That's how Matthew sees it. See, if God can be in a human life, in Jesus Christ, then God can be in your life. If it's possible for the glory of God to inhabit a human being, and to come into a life like God did in Jesus Christ, then it is possible, okay, differently, but also possible in your life. That the purpose of God from the beginning was to fill creation with his presence so that it would shine like the sun. And he makes it happen in Jesus Christ, but then Jesus Christ reaches out and touches you and me and fills our life with his presence so that we come to carry, in a small but real way, the glory of God. And that is one of the things that you see in Matthew's gospel. I can just mention just very briefly two two verses to you. So, just the next chapter, Jesus teaches, wherever two or three are gathered in my name, I'm there with them. You see each other's faces, one face, two faces, lots of faces, but you need to know I'm actually there, down the mountain, when you meet with each other, I'm with you, I'm with you. And then again, he has another verse a few chapters later, which is a very special verse to the crypt, I know well. Truly, I tell you, whatever you did for the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did it for me. When you were meeting each other's needs or when your needs were being met by somebody else, actually, 
when you show that practical love to each other, you're actually doing it for me. And you might not have seen it at the time, but if you knew, then you would know that you were actually serving me. I was there. I was with you. I was in you. I was not far away. I was close, down the mountain. Jesus is God with us. God first taught me to sense him when I closed my eyes. But next, God taught me to see him when I opened my eyes. And once you've seen God and met him on the mountain, then you learn to recognize him in many places. Not just floating around everywhere, but in specific times and in specific people and in particular places. God comes close. He is not far away. He comes close and he stays close. Did you know people can carry the presence of God? And that is why our sarcasm and our cutting comments and our negative views about people are so out of order because we're talking about somebody who can carry the presence of God. And it's also why our self-hatred and our self-despair and all of the ways we put ourselves down, they're also out of order because you were made to carry the presence of God and to reflect the face of Jesus Christ. So if you want to do one thing this week, then take time to read the gospel and get back to Jesus. And then say to him, open my eyes so that I can see you down the mountain. So that I can see you when I meet together with my Christian brothers and sisters. So I can sense you when we gather in worship. And so that I can serve you when I'm serving others. On the mountain, we see God. We see the glory of God shining in the face of Jesus Christ, but down the mountain, he is with us. God, open my eyes to see you, to see how close you are in Jesus Christ. Thank you for listening to the St. George's Lead Sermon Podcast. For more talks or information, visit stgs.org.uk.